It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Esports Banking Network, and we've got three absolutely tremendous hours coming up tonight as we're going to be talking some college basketball, we're going to be taking a look at some NFL futures, we're going to be taking a look at some baseball season win totals, and we're going to get you guys set for a wonderful Wednesday in college basketball. As we've got a trio of great guests that are going to be joining me. Mark Zeno does great work over at PicksWise. He joins me in 15 minutes. We're going to be talking a lot of SEC basketball with him. We're going to be touching upon some NBA as well. So that's going to be a bundle of fun with him. We've got in our number two, Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He does a great job in all things football. And if we've got some time, we might touch a little XFL with him as well as he does a great job on that front. Talk a little NFL futures with him get a little basketball coverage as well as I know that he's a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So we'll be talking about their prospects and so much more. And in our number three, Tanner Kern, who does great work as one half of the Fade the Public podcast, does some nice work over at DraftKings. We're going to be talking a lot of MLB season wins with him. And it is starting to get to be that time of year that we are going to be diving into baseball. I know that there are quite a few people that, much like myself, you've got sort of those Sports that are your primary when it comes to various seasons. For many people, it's more football during the fall. And then 
when you get into the spring slash winter months, it's more basketball. For me, it's a little bit different. I always do a lot of NFL just because grew up 45 minutes away from Lambeau Field, but I personally am a primarily college basketball guy this time of year. And then once the college basketball season wraps up, the MLB season starts up. So it is the cycle of life for myself, which I'm very much looking forward to. And it's a cycle of life in general that we've got topics that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks that they're going to be quite a bit overblown. I'm going to be honest with you. Like as I came to sit down in my seat right now, you've got all the TVs up here at Circa. You've got them behind me as well. If you're watching on Visa.com, you're able to see all those tremendous screens, which I mean, Circa with just everything that they show, it's really a wonder. If you're a big time fan of sports betting, I would consider it one of the meccas. The Westgate has a really good setup as well. If you ever go to the Rampart, our good friend Dwayne Colucci, he joins me every late Sunday, early Monday here on the show. He always rolls out the red carpet for you as well. There's so many great venues out here in lovely Las Vegas, but what I'm getting at here is that we're going to be talking a lot about these mock drafts, and there certainly is quite a bit of value to be made on the NFL draft, but we're going to be talking about it a whole heck of a lot, and we're going to be trying to dissect everything that is on that front, and there's a lot of moving parts there, and we're going to be Hearing this question a lot, who is in your final four? And with regards to both of these topics, I feel like they're answers that we just don't have at this point, because with the NFL mock drafts, we don't know how these guys are going to be faring at the combine. Now that's part of the value and taking a look at the NFL draft as well, being able to project forward. All right. This guy has been training with insert your quarterback guru here, insert your agency here, insert just whoever has been able to train up these guys, be able to help out their stock. Maybe some guys on a really good plan has been able to add some muscle. I mean, that's something that does really warrant taking a look at, but at the same time, very, very hard to do. And it's all based on information. And then my side of things more with college basketball is, How are you able to predict a final four when you don't know what the pairings are? Because the one thing that is unique about college basketball and the reason why whenever people try to ask me for my final four, you're going to get the same answer every single time. Do you have a bracket for me? Because that is what it all comes down to. Because in the NFL, even preseason, you're able to dissect, okay, here are some of the teams that they might be playing against in the playoffs when it comes to major league baseball and you get down to the second half of the season, you're able to narrow it down to just a few finite teams that you're going to be playing against in the first round. College basketball is very unique. There are 363 teams and there's going to be a few that are not eligible for the NCAA tournament. Like your number one seed in the NEC, they're going to be starting up the Northeastern conference tournament on Wednesday, that would be Merrimick. They're a team that is in a transitionary period, which I'll say it once again, it's not a betting angle, but it's always always warrants 15 seconds. NCAA, what are we doing with this transitionary period? Why is it that a team like Merrimick has to put in three full years at the D1 level just to be able to get to the NCAA tournament? Do they really have an advantage going from the D2 level up to the D1 level? (laughs) I mean, it's just like 
honestly, we should be giving an extra gold star to these teams that come up from the D2, D3 level, and they're able to be immediately competitive at the D1 level. They deserve a round of applause, not being barred from the NCAA tournament. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. We can move on now, but I always find that to be ridiculous. But you just take a look at this landscape of college basketball, and we don't know what to expect out of these conference tournaments right now, and there's always the old bat boxing adage. Matchups make fights. There is not one single boxer that has ever lived that would be able to take out absolutely everyone. I mean, Mike Tyson was a really good fighter back in the day. Mike Tyson didn't go undefeated. You've got so many of these great college basketball teams this year, but as we know, this year in college basketball, nobody won undefeated. Heck, I would go as far as to say, there's not a single team this year in college basketball that is a that is a surefire bet to just make it on the first week of the NCAA tournament. Right now, the number one team in all of college basketball is Houston, and I agree with that. If I were to base it right now, I would have Houston a hair above a lot of these other teams. Houston, if they draw the wrong matchup, could be going out week one of the NCAA tournament, though. We've already seen this team lose as nearly a 20-point favorite on their home floor to the Temple Owls. I mean, that's how crazy it is in college basketball this year. Like, you take a look at Kansas. They were able to get the job done. They got a nice win over Texas Tech. But, I mean, they were pushed to a four-point game on their home floor against a Texas Tech team that is currently playing like a top 25 team. If the NCAA knows what's good for them, if they're trying to get the best 68 teams in the field, in my opinion, Texas Tech belongs in the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, not having Fardos Amek towards the beginning part of the season, that led to a bunch of losses for Texas Tech. Texas Tech, unless if they make some sort of a bonsai charge when it comes to the Big 12 tournament, they're unlikely going to be in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, is this an infallible team? Absolutely not. Now, when it comes to being able to take a look at the futures market in college basketball, sure, you're going to be able to unearth a little bit of value, and the value, it gets diminished when it comes to knowing the bracket, knowing the matchups, but I would rather be taking a little bit of a diminished number and knowing what I'm getting rather than betting it right now because I just take a look at this landscape in college basketball, and there's just so many teams that are so close to one another and a good-slash-bad matchup is going to make all the difference this year especially. Like, I've always been a guy that has been wanting to take a look at these matchups themselves, not necessarily being like, okay, well, I think this team is going to win it all because there very, very, very rarely is that one team that's head and shoulders above all others. I did feel like Gonzaga was that team two years ago during the 2020-21 season, and guess what? Gonzaga didn't win the tournament. That was Baylor. That was able to do so. So even in that scenario, that did not happen. I know that a lot of people thought that was the case for that Duke team with Zion Williamson and company. I was not a believer in that. I'm proud to say I had Michigan State knocking off Duke in that NCAA tournament, but that turned out to be another case where it did not happen. And I just take a look at this college basketball entirety of the season and You've got to be basing it, in my opinion, just on these matchups themselves because I even go back to my own bracket last year. The team that I had winning it all was Kansas. At no point did I ever have Kansas as my number one team in terms of my personal power rankings. But the reason why I had Kansas winning the NCAA tournament is because I thought that they got a very favorable draw. I thought they matched up very well with the teams I was projecting them to go up against. Sure enough, 
they were able to get actually even a little bit of a better draw. They draw Miami in the Elite Eight. They were able to get Providence in the Sweet 16. They were able to get by in all those games. And then Villanova was without Justin Moore in the Final Four. That was just absolutely brutal. But I do think that it is very important to be taking a look at this. Now, it is a to-each-your-own sort of circumstance. And if you've got a lot of pest, pest success in taking a look at these futures, just being able to bet on them right now in terms of college basketball, by all means do so. But I do think that being able to wait, being able to know exactly what you're getting, it is something that is very big just in this year in general. You've got so many teams that they're so close to one another. Heck, one of the top teams at all of college basketball, Alabama. Who knows what is going to be happening with them off the court as well. Now, it does not appear as though you're going to have like suspensions or anything like that. That probably would have happened by now, but it's just the pressure. It mounts on you, and that's something that just really goes off the map. And sometimes there are things that you just can't handicap, and sometimes they reign supreme. Like with my DK Nation pick for Tuesday, that was one that unfortunately went down with the under in Iowa versus Indiana. Part of the handicap was not a guy getting a technical foul in a game that is north of 20 points for blowing a kiss at the crowd. I mean, th that's just one of those things where maybe I need to just add that as a nice little column when I take a look at these games, but that's one that I did not have personally, and that was relatively brutal also. Not a prayer to anyone that had that holy cross under tonight as well. I know that there is always a big of the big games. I always like to shine a little bit of light on some of the smaller games as well because there's money to be made whether you're taking a look at Iowa versus Indiana, whether you're taking a look at the Final Four, or if you're diving in on the NEC tomorrow, if you're going to be taking a look at the games that are going to be played at Bojangles Coliseum for the Big South. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to what is going to be a great next few weeks of college basketball. And also taking a look at some NBA as well. It's starting to get hot and heavy out there. And a man that does a great job of covering that over at PicksWise is Mark Zinno. He joins me next on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you are looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN shows and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VSIN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, bets, bets, and daily props. Do not miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VSIN.com slash subscribe today and sign up for just $9.99. That is at VSIN.com slash subscribe. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and great to be joined by our guests as Mark Zuno does a great job over there at PicksWise. He takes a look at the NBA, college basketball, I know that he, much like myself, is getting set for what is going to be a great baseball season as well. Mark, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, always great to be with you. A uh, lot of college hoops to get to. Final week of the regular season, and we are ready and ready to go. Absolutely. I know that you're out there in SEC country in the great state of Georgia. And, Mark, what did you make out of the games that we saw from Tuesday in the SEC? Because Tennessee was able to get a relatively powerful win, and that's the one team I take a look at in the SEC. And I think that they've got all sorts of upside, and they've got just such a low floor in general because you know that their defense is going to show up night in and night out. You just never know what you're going to get out of this offense. Well, and they took a major hit tonight with the injury to Zakai Ziegler. Yes. Uh, by all accounts, you know, that looks like him. Who's, no one's a doctor here, but 
you know, an ACL injury that may sideline him for the rest of the year. And if he is out, who knows what that offense is going to be able to be? Who knows what the ceiling is going to be able to be for that team? And I don't want to take anything away from Rick Barnes and his squad, but, you know, it just changes things dynamically. In the NCAA tournament, it's all about guard play. When you get good dynamic guard play, you're able to win six games in March. And if Tennessee had any hope of doing that, it took a major hit tonight uh, with the injury to Ziegler. But it was impressive to see them bounce back. Also, Arkansas never really got going offensively early. You know, you th I thought early on when that happened, it was like, wow, it's the first play of the first half here. And Arkansas might be able to take advantage. But offensively, they struggled. You know, it's still a very long athletic team uh, that probably should be better than what they are. And maybe they played over their heads last year is the way to, to, to look at it best. But nonetheless, that's a team I think that still probably squeaks into the NCAA tournament when it's all said and done. But the, the showing tonight didn't help them. I, I was hoping for something better. Nope. And I do agree. I do think that we're going to be seeing Arkansas in the NCAA tournament. And just being able to get Nick Smith back out there on the floor, I think is going to be big for them moving forward. But the team that I really think is a sleeper in the SEC, they were able to get the win. They were able to get the cover. That's Texas A&M. They go on the road. They take down an Ole Miss team that they can Kermit Davis. Win case, by the way, might be the best name for an interim coach I have ever heard. But for Texas A&M, they've really been able to do a nice job ever since they took that loss to Wofford in December. What have you made out of them? Because I love the way that this team rebounds by committee. They do. And what's really impressive about them, too, honestly, you know, it's their defense. I mean, they they are a very stout defense. Uh, they're good on both ends of the floor. I don't want to short their offense, but for me, this is a team that is built on defense and that travels and that works well in, C in the NCAA tournament. And they're one of the few teams that has the ability to play defense and yet has enough scoring. We see teams that usually become very one-sided in the NCAA tournament, similar to uh, an Auburn team we'll talk about here in a little bit that just you know has the great defense, but the offense isn't there to back it up. The problem is, is that guess what? You're not going to be able to shut everybody down uh, in your SEC tournament and in your NCAA tournament, regardless how good your defense is. Good players are going to find a way to get the ball in the bucket. So I think for a team like Texas A&M, they may be a little bit undervalued. Um, and, and in the SEC, they haven't exactly had an easy run, but this is a team still that has a bunch of quality wins this year. They went on the road at Auburn. You know, they, they've played well. They beat Missouri as well when they were ranked. I mean, this is a team right now that I don't necessarily underscore. Um, they will, you'll find out really how good they are when they take on Alabama this weekend. That'll really be a real tough test for them as they head into the SEC tournament. No question about it. That is going to be a very tough test. And you mentioned Auburn a few times, so let's get to the Iron Bowl on the hardwood as it is Auburn in the road. They're going to be facing off against Alabama. First time around, it was a single-digit game. Alabama was able to go on the road, get a win and cover. I thought that that was an impressive win for Alabama at the time. Now with Alabama, no doubt about it, they're hearing about everything that happens off the court. The pregame ritual was not necessarily taken too well, to say the least. That was not great, but... That said, with Alabama, they're currently a nine and a half to a ten point favorite in this one total, ranging between about one fifty and a half to one fifty one. What do you make out of this game? Because I do feel like some of what has happened on off the court has affected Alabama a little bit on the court. Obviously, it has not affected Brandon Miller to this point, but I do think that it's an intriguing spot. And regardless of what's happening off the court, they still have to go up against an Auburn team that this is still a rivalry matchup, and I know that they're going to be up for this game. Well, let's look at Alabama over their last four games. And this is a team right now to me that feels like they're aching to be upset at some point. Their last four was a loss to Tennessee. 
They blow out Georgia, which was more, I think, a referendum on, on Georgia playing above their heads for a better part of this year and then finally coming back down to earth and not really being all that talented. But after that, they get a two-point win at South Carolina in overtime, no less, and then a three-point win at Arkansas. Let's rewind even a little bit further here, Greg, and go to the last matchup between Alabama and Auburn, the one that was in Auburn. Now, the final score said 77-69. Alabama was a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite in that game. And from the looks from the outside, hey, Alabama took care of business. That's not exactly how the game went at all. First of all, Bama shot 59% from the field in that game. Bama's a good shooting team. They ain't 59% good. That's, that's one thing. Auburn, who is not a terrible shooting team, certainly not 32% like they shot in that game. That game was tied at half. Auburn had a five-point lead with 9.35 left. And Bama had a three-point lead with under three minutes left. In fact, Auburn's last field goal in that game was with 3.41 left in the second half. They made one more with exactly one second left in the game. So Auburn went cold in a game that was a one-possession game down the stretch there. Now ask yourself the question, is Alabama really eight points better than Auburn from the first matchup at home now? That's a big jump for me. These are both two really good defenses here. They're both top 10 in field goal percentage defense, both top five in three-point shooting defense. And last time out, Auburn held Brandon Miller to 13 points. Miller's been carrying this team for the better part of the last two weeks, and I just don't know if they're getting enough complimentary scoring from anybody else to separate by 10 points. Now, Bama's better on offense. They're better in shooting. They're better in rebounding. But this is a more important game to Auburn right now after falling out of the top 25 with their loss to Kentucky this week. A game like this, and I'm not sure 100% they can win it, but a game like this would leave no doubt about their standing in the eyes of the committee if they go out there and show out and really push Alabama. Auburn's top 50 in steals in the nation. I think they'll pressure this Bama team early, force some turnovers from an Alabama team that's 314th in the nation, bottom 50 in turnovers per game. They average over 14 of them per game. Auburn's 6-5 and five against the number on the road this year. I'm going to take the points tomorrow night with the Auburn Tigers. Yep, Warren locks up on that one. I set my handicap closer to an 8 to an 8.5, so being able to get 9.5, 10, I'm good to be on the points as well. So we're in lockstep there. And this one I think is very fascinating because you've got Kentucky playing host to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, the first time they played them, they were without Liam Robbins, who I do think is one of the most meaningful players to their respective teams in the SEC. Last time these two teams played without Robbins, you had Vanderbilt lose that game by 16 points. Now we're seeing a spread of between 9.5 and and 10, with Kentucky being the favorite. And with Kentucky, been a very interesting run for the team, but it feels like they're finally starting to get online. Where do you you sort of go with this game? Because I do think that you've got a Kentucky team that's playing their best basketball, but a Vanderbilt team that is really finding something down low in Robbins. Well, and again, I I think Vanderbilt is a team right now. They've won five of their last six. Um, They are starting to play right at the right time. And they're part of this middle group of teams in the SEC between Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi State that are all sort of lumped in there that are all fighting to be maybe the fifth, sixth type teams from the SEC that are going to get into the tournament with some teams being left out. So this is a huge game for the Vanderbilt Commodores. But Greg, in case you haven't been noticing, uh, you got to go back to the first part of the Obama administration to find out the last time Vanderbilt won a game against Kentucky. They've won 14 in a row against them. Now, if you're doing the rollover games, just betting money lines here, you're probably a pretty rich man at this point in time when you're taking Vanderbilt versus Kentucky. I don't want to step in front of Kentucky right now, though. They have found their stride since the win against Mississippi State at Mississippi State. They go out and they beat Tennessee, take care of business in Florida, they beat up on Auburn. Uh, You know, this is a team right now that seems to have found itself. They've cracked the top 25. I think they've made their case and have gotten into the NCAA tournament, even if they were to get bounced 
in the first round of the SEC tournament, which I don't think will happen. Um, that said, you know, I, I think this is a team right now that two weeks ago looked like we were scratching our heads to wonder if they were going to get in the tournament. They've now solidified that. There's a lot of points to lay here. Again, I don't want to step in front of Kentucky. You put a gun to my head, I'll take the points at Vanderbilt. But, you know, it's just not a comfortable spot for me with the Wildcats right now because they've been so good, especially offensively, scoring in the 80s the last two times out. And it's not like Vanderbilt is a great defensive team. Like, it, it, you know, they, they struggle defensively. They've given up 72 points per game. And this is a good shooting Kentucky team. It's a bad recipe for me to want to take the Commodores here. But I just, you know, again, 10 points is so much to lay in college hoops. Yep, Vanderbilt 257th in all of college basketball in terms of points slot under per possession basis. That's not good. And rockly enough, I think I was actually working at the official flagship station of Vanderbilt back in 2016-17. Last time they were able to pull off that win. So it has been a while, and it's been a while since we've seen this much change in baseball. We're going to be talking about that next with Mark Zinno, who does great work at PicksWise. And take a look for the upcoming baseball season right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Great Peterson Experience is presented by Zid Nicotine Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you are looking for, but Zid Nicotine Pouches might surprise you because Zid is made with six simple ingredients and it's completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zin online or find a store that is nearest you at Zin.com. That is ZYN.com today. And a warning that this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine, it is an addictive chemical. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. I'm Vison, the Sports Bank Network. And great to be rejoined by Mark Zinno. He does great work over at PicksWise. Taking a look at a little bit of everything, all forms of basketball, does tremendous work during the football season. And I know that he, much like myself, is doing everything possible to get set for the baseball season. And, Mark, we've now gotten ourselves a nice little taste of baseball. We've been taking a look at some of these spring training games. And not sure about you, I'm not one that really bets on these spring training games. I'm going to be waiting until the regular season. But I'm more or less just taking notes right now. No doubt about it. The pitch clock, the batter's clock, that has really been the hot-button topic in baseball right now. How have you been gauging this? And... Is there any betting angles from what we've been seeing here in spring training? I certainly think there is. But if you haven't sat down and watched a spring training game yet for a couple of innings, do yourself a favor and do it, and I'll tell you why. Because from somebody who played baseball for a very long time and played in college, you know, you can just watch. Things are faster. It is a lot faster for the batter. Like, you don't realize how much more time they actually took and it feels fast when you watch it, and it looks fast, and it is fast. So I say all that to tell everybody, I think it's going to be advantage pitchers when it comes to the pitch clock here, because hitters typically, being more mental than pitchers, are going to need more time to adjust, and they, they want to think about what pitch is coming, and they want to sort of process in their mind the, the, the whole you know uh, chess game that goes back and forth with pitchers to figure out what they're going to throw. Well, some of that is eliminated. It's going to take some time for batters to figure it out. I think early on, as it is, we see unders coming in in April because teams are playing in cold-weather cities. Bats aren't hot yet. I think that will continue 
But I would also look to K props going over early on uh, and not having to pay as much juice as you normally would because I think you're going to see a lot of batters just struggle to get in full game mode uh, and really get warm. Remember, these guys only get maybe 35, 40 at-bats during the entire spring. It's not much. They're not getting three or four at-bats a game. They're getting one or two and then getting the rest of the day off. So from that standpoint, you know, they're not really getting a chance to get adjusted. I think April is going to be a tough month for hitters. I think you're going to see pitchers' ERAs be down a little bit. Uh, I think more of those unders come in. But I would also add, when it comes to the K-props, it's going to take probably three to maybe four times before the market adjusts when the pitcher gets on a mound and how much they're going to ask you to pay in juice and K-props, which is already a juicy market as it is. But I think in the beginning of the year, you may be able to find some value going overs with typically numbers that we'd see that were mid-season, not expecting as many players to strike out more than normal until we see a couple of you know iterations of pitchers get on the mound and really begin to have some dominance. So, Greg, I think there's a clear angle here. If you agree with me that the pitch clock is going to favor the pitchers, that maybe K-props and unders are the way to look in the month of April. Yep, I am always someone that loves taking a look at a lot of unders in April to start out with because you mentioned it. You get a lot of those colder weather cities like Detroit. You go to the northeast part of the country. The ball's just now flying to start out with. And now you add this on top of it. I'm going to be very curious to see how these totals do move because I do almost think that there's a little bit of a point of no return because we were seeing it last year. When those seven, seven halves, they became sevens and six and halves. That's when the totals got a little bit too low in baseball. But as long as you're able to get north of seven numbers in April, I do think that there's going to be a lot of value with that. And do you make anything of some of the other rules like the shift being limited, the little bit of bigger bases? Because something that I have noticed from spring training as well, along with, to your point, a lot of these batters being thrown off a little bit more, is that there has been a lot more activity on the bases as well. Yeah, and again, I mean, you know, if there's a uh, a total base prop out there where a, a player who steals bases may be able to be able to swipe one if that's included in it, depending on the market where you're shopping. But I think that's one of the things that, or even runs may be up because players may be able to put themselves in scoring position even more uh, because they can essentially stretch a single into a double by stealing more bases. So I think early on you'll see certain managers and teams be really aggressive uh, and try to take advantage of the bigger bases and hopefully get. Uh, some more steals in. And if it works, you'll start to see everybody get on board. If it doesn't, I think you'll see the status quo remain. But absolutely, there is a way that players could start to steal more bases because the bases are bigger. But I also, with the shift, you know, again, let's see how this reacts. It's only going to affect a select number of hitters. Uh, To a certain extent, I think we overshifted over the past couple of years and teams used it more than necessary. Um, And now that it's back, where where you're not going to be able to do that, Some players may benefit from it more, uh, but I don't know that it's really going to be a tangible thing you'll be able to figure out until you probably get two or three months into the season. Yep, and my little bit of a tip as well for taking a look at spring training is always keep note of these pitchers that they are not getting in their normal workload, like a guy that I was fading towards the beginning part of last year was Zach Wheeler because felt like he was starting, stopping, starting, stopping, and that turned out to be very solid as He had a rough start to the season. Then once he was able to get things just underneath him, once he was able to get in his normal workload, 
he became the Zach Wheeler of old as well. So lots of advice for taking a look at these spring training games, even though I personally do not bet them. Certainly taking notes right now, and I do think that there's a lot of bettable information that you're getting right now. And Mark, I know that you've got one season win total right now in Major League Baseball. What did you settle on? Well, I'll break up the disrespect for the Baltimore Orioles and uh, the reigning manager of the year. Yeah, if I asked 100 people who's the reigning GAO manager of the year, ain't nobody, and I mean nobody, thinking Brandon Hyde is the guy of the Baltimore Orioles. But they had a 31-win jump this from last in 2021 to 2022, 31-win jump last year. And yet their win total is the lowest in the American League East. They're set at 76.5, at least at one shop that I'm looking at. You know, and that is the third low or fourth lowest in all of the American League. Now, maybe Baltimore is set for some regression. You know, they did lose some players in the offseason. Trey Mancini, one of their big bats, no longer there. But you're talking about a tandem of Mike Elias and, and Brandon Hyde, who have worked in the player scouting and development role their entire careers. Mike Elias, the GM. And so, you know, this is a team that flew under the radar last year. The problem for them is that they do play in the AL East, and you got to get through the Yankees and Toronto. And if Boston is going to return to form, you know, that's always going to be tough. And Tampa Bay seems to figure their way into the playoffs every year. But I'm not doubting the Orioles. I mean, they can get to 500 again. They can get to 80 wins this year uh, and, and get over that number. I, I was kind of surprised to see it this low. I thought it would be in the 79 range, thinking of where it was. But at 76 and a half, I can go over for the Orioles in 2023. Yep, I agree with you. And Gunnar Henderson is someone that I think is due in for a very good year. He had a good last month or so of the season for the Orioles. I believe that he is going to be eligible for that Rookie of the Year award as well. I don't hate a little bit of a sprinkle on him too. And we've got one other game in the SEC that we're able to take a look at in terms of college basketball as well for one saying, I'll get your thoughts on this one. Missouri versus LSU. LSU, most places, is right around a five-point underdog. What do you make out of this game just because with Missouri defense has been leaving something to be desired offense certainly has been there for them and they're one of the few teams in the SEC that really is able to make quite a few threes well this is not a very good LSU team and they're particularly bad on the defensive end Uh, and this is not a game that Missouri can afford to lose at this point in time Uh, look I think Missouri is for all intents and purposes in the tournament but this is the kind of loss where you lose this game and you don't have a good showing your conference tournament, that's going to, the recency, you know, situation is going to stick with the, with the committee a lot more. Because in reality, you know, this is a Missouri team that really hasn't been great uh, against legitimate opponents this year. You know, when you look at the way that they've played, they've struggled against ranked opponents in their conference. They've struggled against ranked opponents overall. So, you know, I am, I am curious to see how they play against a bad LSU team. I'd lay the points at Missouri here. Hopefully that they understand the uh, the urgency of the situation here, because really that's that's what this is about for a team like Missouri right now, and making sure that they uh, they 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 can finish strong here and and really make sure that there's no doubt left for the committee. Again, they're part of those groups of teams in the middle of the SEC here that are all up for it. You know, Mississippi State is eight and nine in conference play after their win tonight, but they're a 20 win team overall. Um, they haven't had a great showing against the the top 25 either. They're two and five this year against them straight up. You know, can they get in Vanderbilt? Another one. Auburn's going to need a big showing against Alabama. So Missouri all sitting right there. Once you get past the top four of Alabama, A&M, Kentucky and Tennessee, you start to really have some questions about who's left. Yep. And in this circumstance, you mentioned it. you'd be, if you had to take something laying it with Missouri, 
five is a max I'd be willing to lay. So what we've got right now, not willing to go any further, but willing to take it. And Mark will always take you on the show because you do absolutely amazing work over there at PixWise. You cover so many different things and one great insights. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Always great to have Mark Zeno aboard. Talked a little baseball, talked a little basketball. Now we've got to hit some Big 12 action as we're going to do that next. Right here on the Great Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. With the Arnold Palmer Open and UFC 285 this week, head on over to Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. That's Bet Rivers has you uh, covered for every line, out and boost for all the golf fans out there. Bet Rivers is a place to be to be able to bet on the Arnold Palmer Open with top ten insurance. Place your tournament, be- place your bet before the tournament on an outright winner, and the fun does not stop there. As Bet Rivers has you covered for a UFC 285 parlay insurance. And you get so much more over at BetRivers, which you're able to check out at BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today, as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And what we've also got is a lot of good college basketball that's going to be coming up. Not necessarily the world's biggest card in the world on Wednesday. I think that we're going to have like 40 games, give or take a few. But you've got some conference tournaments that are going to be starting up. We go to Bojangles Arena. For the Big South Tournament, we've got the NEC going on, the Ohio Valley Conference over there at the Ford Center, and we've also got some Big 12 college basketball. We talked quite a bit in the last few segments about the SEC with Mark Zeno. Big thanks to him, and if you miss any of the picks that we're throwing out there, visa.com slash picks, you're able to get mine, you're able to get all the guests that joined the show tonight, so yeah, you guys covered there, and now we've got you guys covered with some Texas versus TCU action, 703-704 on the board. DCU is a two and a half point favorite at home, seeing a stray two out there as well. But most of those have dried up total on this game and between 149 and 149 and a half at two and a half. Still a take for me on TCU, but really wouldn't want to be laying anything more than a two and a half in this spot as they did set TCU as a three point favorite. This is a little bit of a revenge spot from a game that we saw in January. Remember doing a write up, having the under and well, that was one that did not get there, unfortunately, much like the Indiana versus Iowa one. That one was actually a legitimate beat. The one that we experienced on Tuesday was, well, less than savory with the referees calling technical fouls that they should not have. But I digress. You take a look at the CCU team and they've been able to do a tremendous job with their defense. They're 26th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, but they've been significantly better when they've been at home. On the road, TCU's defense has been a little bit leaky. Meanwhile, at home, they're giving up right around 14.5 points fewer per 100 possessions. Meanwhile, you've got a Texas team that has been able to do a nice job in terms of being able to rein it in a little bit more with their style because once Chris Beard was fired, they really cranked up their tempo. They've been able to do a better job with their defense ever since then. And for TCU, what I do think is going to be very important for them keeping Mike Miles out there on the floor because when Mike Miles plays, TCU, in my opinion, is a top 10 to top 15 team in all of college basketball. Without him, we've seen this TCU team be, well, not so great to say the least. He's a team top scorer, 18 points, does a great job with the sound ball defense, gives you a little bit over a seal per game, and TCU needs his outside shooting. Shoots about 34% from three. Team as well shooting 29.1% from the outside. That's a bottom 30 mark in all of college basketball, but it's a pretty deep TCU team. Outside of them, guys like Jacoby Coles, Shahada Wells have been able to do a nice job 
of being able to make contributions. Damian Ball is your main facilitator. Six assists, 1.8 steals per game. And I do think that there's just a couple too many weapons for Texas to be able to match up with in this spot. For Texas, the guy that I really do like is Serge Jabari Rice. Serge Jabari Rice has been able to give the team 12 plus points in seven out of the last nine games. He's shooting about 37.5% from three-point range. He too is a very good on-ball defender. He's been really a big reason why Texas has been able to maintain this season because things could have really went sideways for them with everything that they experienced with the Chris Beard situation. But he has been a big-time contributor for the team. As a matter of fact, last time these two teams played, came in off the bench, had 15 points, six rebounds, was a big reason why the team won that game. He's really been able to help out Marcus Carr, who's your main score for Texas. He's been able to shoot about 38% from three-part range, ship it in there about 17 points per contest, and has won the fulcrum pieces of this team. Now, where I do think that Texas gets beat in this game, down low. TCU, one of the best overall rebounding teams in college basketball, especially on the offensive glass. And for Texas, the one thing this team really does not do is rebound. You've got one guy that gives you north of 4.3 rebounds per game, and that's Timmy Allen. And Timmy Allen, good versatility. 11 points, 5.5 boards, 3.5 assists. He's able to pop threes, doesn't necessarily do so very well, but he's able to shoot them. Past that, you've got guys like Dylan DeSue, Christian Bishop, that give you about 3.5 rebounds per game. You've had Dylan Mitchell chip in there a little bit over 4 boards per contest, so it really does leave something to be desired down low. I do think that that's where TC is going to be able to win this game, especially with Emmanuel Miller. Give you five plus rebounds, shooting over 40% from three-point range. I think TC wins from within. I think that this is going to be a little bit more of a button-up game after the last time these two teams played. Both teams were able to get to 75 points in that one. That was a game that Texas pulled out by kind of 79 to 75. TCU was leading, as a matter of fact, by 13 points at the half. I do think that TCU in Fort Worth Gets their revenge. Set TCU as a three-point favorite. Could it be one to lay the number? Semi-total 144. Last time these two teams played, you saw a very, very frenetic and up-tempo game. I do think that Texas starting to throttle down just a little bit and find out who they truly are without Chris Beard. So, taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be one to lay it with TCU. When it comes to the Big East, we've got a very fascinating game that is going to be kicking off this Wednesday as well. When we go 665, 666 on the board, it is Xavier and the X-Men at the road to face off against Providence. Providence is a favorite of three and a half points, and your total is between 154 and 155 with Xavier. I did set them as a three-point underdog. Three and a half is my buy point on them. We're seeing a lot of three and a halves currently in the market. Personally, I'm going to be waiting to see if this line moves either up or down. If we could get down to more like a two, I'd be willing to lay with Providence. If we get up closer to a four, that would be my buy point on Xavier. I'd be willing to take them at three and a half, but I want to see if we could perhaps get a little bit more value or if we see the exact opposite because with Xavier, they've been an interesting team all season long in the last time these two teams played. Xavier got the outright win. They did not get the cover on their home floor. That was one of the first games that they played without Zach Fremantle. That was an 85 to 83 game that did go to overtime. You had 152 points up on the board before the game went to overtime. So that was one in which the over hit in overtime. And I do think that we're going to be seeing a little bit of reversal here because Xavier has been struggling a little bit more with their offense recently. Sponge has scored fewer than 70 points in now three of their last four games. So I'm going to be willing to ride with the under and Providence has been able to do a really good job on the glass. They're a top 12 team in the country in terms of total rebound rate at Crosswell. 
has been able to do a nice job of helping out Bryce Hopkins as these two guys have been able to supply a little bit over 15 rebounds per game. Hopkins is giving you also nearly 15 points per game at six foot seven, six foot eight. Barry's north of 35% of his series, but who I think is really the X factor for this Providence team, not just in this game, but moving forward is Jared Bynum. Jared Bynum missed a few games earlier this year due to injury. And towards the beginning part of the season, this guy just could not shoot threes to save his life. And I do think that he's one of the most, shall we say, hot and cold three-point shooters in all of college basketball that personally I have ever seen. I still remember there was one year in college basketball where he shot nearly 50% from three. And then the next year he followed it up by shooting like 26% from the outside. You just don't know what you're going to be able to get from Jared Bynum game to game, week to week, season to season, but he's really been able to do a nice job recently ever since he came back in late January of being able to bury those threes as he has been really doing a solid job of being able to supply some assists as well as he's the main trigger man for the team, giving you about four and a half assists, 9.8 points per contest, but you take a look at what he's done ever since January 29th. That was the team's win against Providence. He's shooting well above 50% from three-point range, has been able to give the team eight-plus points in every single one of those games. He is certainly an X-factor for this Providence team. Meanwhile, for Prov- for Xavier, you've got a guy in Sule Boom, who you know what he's going to be able to do from the outside. Gives you 15.5 points, shoots over 40% from three-point range. Kobe Jones has good versatility, but the big fear that you've got with Xavier is depth. They've really got a main starting five without Jerome Hunter, being able to step in there, be able to give the team quite a few rebounds with Zach Fremantle being out of the full. Jack Nunge has been able to give you about seven rebounds per game. But for Xavier, once you get outside of them, that's really been the main issue for the team. Now, the defense has honestly been able to play a little bit better as well. I was mentioning the fact that they've been getting held down with their offense. Their defense has given up 71 points or fewer and now four out of their last five games as well. So I do like the way that they've been coming to the forefront, but I do think that this is going to be a game that's going to be held down just a little bit more. I do think that Providence is getting a little bit more back to their mid-tempo roots. They've been, for much of the year, a team that has been in the top one with regards to possessions per game. Xavier, we know that this team is going to look to run it and gun it. They're a top 35 team in terms of total possessions per game as well. But without Zach Fremantle, offense has been a little bit more pedestrian. Honestly, the defense has, uh, has been a tad bit better with Autumn as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of an under game. Game would have went under the first time around had they not had overtime. Set by total 149. So looking at the under, anything north of three going to be my buy point on Xavier. And hopefully we go, we've got a nice buy point with regards to the DK Nation pick for this college basketball Wednesday. That comes up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.